Death is surely coming, but so is resurrection. We will enter into eternity where we will enjoy God in bodies that can never sin, suffer, or die. And then second, God uses this fallen world to drive us to himself. Welcome to The Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Fox Den. I'm sure we all have shared experiences where it feels like our world has fallen apart. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was devastating medical news. Maybe it was a financial crisis. Maybe it was a broken marriage or relational conflict, or more than likely, a combination of many of these factors. So I believe that all of us have experienced hardships in this life, and we're left wondering, what do I do now? So in this episode, I want to talk about what to do when your world falls apart. Now let me say up front that I'm not going to give you steps to make your life better. I'm not going to give you solutions to numb the pain. I can't fix your problems, and I can provide nothing to turn things around for you. After all, I'm not God, and nothing I say in this episode will make your earthly life better. And that's not my objective in this episode. I'm not trying to make your life better. But I do want to talk about what to do when you feel like your world is falling apart. And I hope to give you hope when your world seems to be crashing in on you. But to begin, we need to take a look at why your world is falling apart. Now, I've done this many times in past episodes, but I need to do it again here. So let's go back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 1, we see that God created everything by the power of his word. And think about that. We're often impressed with the feats that man accomplishes. We're super amazed when man can build a football stadium or a spacecraft. However, man does this with pre-existing material. God, on the other hand, he created all things simply by speaking them into being. But he didn't just speak material into existence. He spoke function into existence. For example, take a single cell of any living organism. And inside are instruction manuals and machines to create proteins. God spoke those into existence by the power of his word. Now, when arrogant man can create an airplane that reproduces itself, well, then perhaps I'll be impressed. And furthermore, when man can create a reproducing airplane by speaking it into existence, and by that I mean speaking the material and function into existence, I'll be impressed. That day, however, will never come because man is a creature and God is the creator. In other words, man is not God and he will never be. Now, this is a great segue into my next point. God created man sinless and gave Adam a simple rule to govern his creation. He told Adam, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Then in Genesis 3, we see things fall apart for Adam and Eve and the rest of mankind. Take a look at verses 1 through 6. There we see that the serpent comes into the garden and he tempts Eve. Now let me say at this point that the serpent is Satan. And we know this because of two verses in Revelation. Look at chapter 12, verse 9, and chapter 20, verse 2. Now going back to Genesis chapter 3, look at how Satan tempted Eve. He basically says that God's not being truthful to you. He's holding that tree back from you because he knows that when you eat from that tree, you'll be like him. So the temptation preceding the fall of man 
is the desire to be God. And Eve falls to this temptation by eating the forbidden fruit. And then she gives to Adam and he eats. And this is known as the fall of mankind. Now, because of Adam's sin, because Adam ate the forbidden fruit, all mankind is fallen and guilty in him. He was our representative in the Garden of Eden. And for a more thorough discussion on this, listen to episode 60. Now, our tendency is to think that we are guilty by our own sins. And that's true. We are guilty. We sin and therefore we're guilty. But we're guilty in Adam. Because of Adam's sin, all mankind is fallen. And we see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. There, Paul says that sin came into the world through one man. So Adam was our representative. And we are fallen in him and we are guilty in him. So from this point on, every human heart desires to be God. And you actually see this played out every day. Why do you think people cut you off on the freeway? Because they believe their convenience is more important than your safety. You see how they elevate themselves above you? But they're not alone. We suffer from the same corrupt hearts as they do. You see, deep down inside, we want to be God. We want to control everybody and everything around us, including God. That's the sinful heart. That's the heart of mankind. We actually want to dethrone God. So after Adam sinned, every human heart is set against God. So take a look at Romans 8, 7. And there we see that mankind is hostile to God, and he does not submit to the law of God. Now notice what Paul says there. He doesn't say that God is hostile to man. He says that man is hostile to God. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The heart of every man, because of the fall of Adam, is set against God. So think about that for a moment. How do you think things are going to play out for man when he refuses to do what God commands him to do? Do you think he's going to have a good life? Now, you may be thinking at this point, I know people who don't give God the time of day, and they live happy, trouble-free lives. They have all the money they need, they have happy marriages, obedient children, and they enjoy the blessings of this life. Well, the first thing I would say is, do they really have trouble-free lives? Are things really as rosy as they seem? The Bible is very clear that mankind is sinful, and he feels the effects of this sinful world. I highly doubt that their lives are as rosy as they seem. And just because people have big houses and tons of money doesn't mean they're happy or that their lives are trouble-free. And then next, let me say that those happy days will come to an end for them. Remember, the penalty for sin is death. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And he uses an interesting word, wages. What's a wage? A wage is something you deserve because of your labor. So what we deserve because of our sin is death. We earned death because of our sin. And that's what God said the penalty would be for eating the forbidden fruit back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. So those people who seem to be enjoying a good life with no apparent trouble, even though they defy God, their day is coming. They will receive the wages for their labor, and that's death. And those outside of Christ will enter into eternal damnation. And just so you know, We all deserve eternal damnation because of our sin. But those outside of Christ will be punished eternally. You see, this life on earth, this is as good as it gets for them. This really is their best life now. On the other hand, for those of us in Christ, this is the worst that it gets. 
Our best life is coming. So you should know the answer by now, but I'm going to ask the question. Do you know why your world is falling apart? Sin. Not just your individual sin, but the sin of mankind. We suffer in this life in many different ways because we live in a fallen world. Death of loved ones, declining health, financial troubles, broken marriages, strained relationships, rebellious children, and the list goes on. We tend to think that bad things happen to us because God is angry and he's punishing us for some particular sin. Is it true that we suffer the consequences for individual sins? Well, of course. King David is a classic example of that. Not only did the child of his adultery die, but his family fell apart after his sin with Bathsheba. David was the king of Israel, and he suffered massive consequences for his heinous sin. And we, too, suffer the consequences for our individual sins. Steal a car and get caught, and you're going to prison. However, we really suffer in this life because of the fall of mankind. So certainly we should examine our lives and repent of any sin that we recognize. But it's likely that the real reason your world is crashing in on you is because you live in a fallen world. So why does God leave us in this fallen world? Why does he leave us in this place? Why doesn't he remove us? Well, I would answer he is. But God works on a different timeline than we do. You see, there's coming a time when we will enter never-ending blessing with him. Death is surely coming, but so is resurrection. We will enter into eternity where we will enjoy God in bodies that can never sin, suffer, or die. And then second, God uses this fallen world to drive us to himself. Where do you go in these painful and tragic times? Friends? Alcohol? Drugs? Soap operas? Ice cream? God invites you to come to him in these turbulent times when your world seems to be crashing in on you. You see this invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus invites us to come to him and we will find rest. Now, Jesus doesn't mean here that all your troubles will go away. He means that you will find rest in him even in the midst of trouble. Well, hopefully I've adequately explained why your world is falling apart. And perhaps at this point, I should get to what you should do when your world is falling apart. The first thing I want to mention is to acknowledge that we experience the trouble that comes our way in this life because of sin, Adam's sin and our own. David did this in Psalm 51. In that psalm, David confesses his sin concerning Bathsheba and Uriah, and he pleads to God for mercy. And you can listen to episode 64 where I review this psalm. We live in a fallen world, and we feel the effects of this fallen world every day. Why do you think you experience more aches and pains as you get older? Why do you have conflict and relationships? It's all a result of sin and the effects of a fallen world. It's our sin. It's the sin of people around us. It's the sin of mankind. So acknowledge that your trouble comes from sin. And then plead to God for mercy, and you will find it in Christ. Next, depend on Christ for your salvation. He took your sins on himself and he died the death that you deserved. And as we embrace Christ by faith, God puts our sin on him and his perfect life is put to our account. And therefore, God declares us righteous, not because of our own righteousness, but for the righteousness of Christ put to our account. And this is known as justification. And you can listen to episode four where I talk about justification in full. Next, you need to know that God is with you in the midst of your crashing world. 
and he's working things for your good. Like I said earlier, we tend to think that God is punishing us when our world falls apart. For non-believers, this may be true, but for believers, this isn't true at all. God does direct bad things in our lives, but he does this for a reason. Now, you may have a problem with what I just said. You may believe that God allows bad things to happen, but God would never direct bad things to happen. However, take a look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. If you remember the story of Joseph, and this isn't Jesus' earthly father, this is the son of Jacob in the Old Testament, his brothers hated him and they set out to kill him. Yet they spared his life and they sold him into slavery. And then he's taken down to Egypt. And after many years in slavery and prison, he rises to power. And his brothers eventually came to Egypt for food because there was a famine in the land. And they didn't recognize Joseph. But in time, he told them who he was. And then the brothers brought their father and their families down to Egypt where they lived. And then sometime later, their father, Jacob, died. And now the brothers were concerned. And they thought Joseph was going to seek revenge because of what they did years earlier. But look at Joseph's response in verse 20. He told them what they meant for evil, God meant for good. You see, God didn't capitalize on that situation. God directed those events. God directed those brothers to sell Joseph into slavery so that he would go down to Egypt and he would rise to power and rescue Jacob and his family. Their motives were evil when they sold Joseph into slavery. But God directed the event so that in time, Jacob and his family would be saved from the famine. And God had to do this to preserve the line of Christ. Or take a look at Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Look at what he says about Jesus in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. He said that Jesus was handed over and killed according to God's plan and foreknowledge. Now let me say something here about foreknowledge. Foreknowledge here doesn't mean that God can see the future. God doesn't know the future because he can see the future. Or that God planned things out because he could see what's going to happen. God's not dependent on the events of history in order to make a decision. No, Jesus died on the cross because God directed this to happen. He didn't merely allow it to happen. So God directs things to happen in our lives. Without a doubt, we feel the effects of this sinful world. But God is much more in control than merely allowing things to happen. He directs them. And I realize the painful implications of what I'm saying. And I'm likely making some of you a bit uncomfortable because of what I've said. However, the Bible is clear. God is sovereign, and that means he's in control of all the events of history. Listen to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 11. It asks, what are God's works of providence? And it answers by saying, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. God preserves and governs all creatures and their actions. The implication is that God directs bad things to happen in your life. Now at this point, let me direct your attention to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says that God works all things for the good of those who love him. And that doesn't mean that the bad things that happen to you are good. And I'm sure all of us have very bad things that have happened to us. It's not saying that those things are good. What Paul is saying is that God is working even those things for your good. Think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery to save him and his family. So you need to know that God is with you in the midst of your crashing world, and he's working things out for your good. Trust God. He knows what he's doing. 
And then next, when your world is falling apart, focus on what is to come. Your trouble will likely remain in this life because we live in a sinful world. If it's not one thing, it's another. For those of us in Christ, however, those troubles will be gone at death. So as hard as it is, don't focus on your circumstances here on earth. Focus on what is to come. Take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. There Paul encourages us to seek the things that are above. And that's where Christ is. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he tells us to set our minds on things that are above, not on the things that are here on earth. You see, what's coming for us? Heaven, resurrection, escape from this world of sin. Jesus even tells us in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, what's going to happen. He is going to call us from our graves and we're going to rise from the dead. And we will enter into eternity with him in bodies that cannot sin, suffer, or die. So when your life seems to be falling apart, know that all of this is temporary. It may last a month. It may last a year. It may last 10 years. But it's temporary. It's going to come to an end. But your eternal life with Christ, it's eternal. It will never come to an end. And you will enjoy that blessing in a body that cannot sin, suffer, or die. So remember, the best is yet to come. Things may not get better here on earth. However, I believe you can endure these difficult times with hope. You need to understand that you feel the effects of this sinful world every day. You need to rest in the work of Christ, knowing that in Him you're secure. You need to know that God knows what He's doing, and in the midst of your crashing world, He's working that for your good, even when it doesn't feel like it. And you need to focus on what is coming. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the resurrection to come. God will deliver us from this sinful world, and He will raise us from the dead. And we will live with Him forever in bodies that cannot sin, suffer, or die. And we will be free forever from this sinful world, and we will live in God's new creation. The bliss of our eternal home is really, literally, unimaginable. Your mind cannot fathom what is to come. It is more splendid than what your mind can create. Well, in conclusion, let me direct you to a song by Mercy Me. And I'll link it in the description section. And their song, Almost Home, reminds us that the best is yet to come. So when you have a moment, take some time to listen to that song. And remember, when your world is falling apart, you're almost home. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.